the media landscape in America is busted. Americans are on to the omissions, the half-truths, and the outright lies being propagated against we, the people. Your host, Tom Harris, will bring you the other side of the story. Most media in the U.S. and Canada are so politically correct that you never know if what they tell us is even remotely close to the truth. Whether it's the truckers' convoy, COVID lockdowns and injections, or climate change, critical race theory, the Middle East, it's all so nauseatingly biased and one-sided, we can't trust the press at all. Except, that is, some brave independent media that have yet to be silenced by woke authoritarians. Today's program introduces to our American audience the absolute leader among independent media in the world, and that is Canada's Rebel News. With over a million subscribers, Rebel News has now expanded to other countries besides Canada, in particular Australia and the UK. To tell us about this outstanding network, my guest today is Sheila Gunn-Reed. She's the Alberta Bureau Chief for Rebel News. Sheila is the host of the weekly Rebel News program called The Gun Show with Sheila Gunn-Reed, which is broadcast at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. I'll include a link to that under the podcast. And I love that. Of course, I'm on there occasionally, which is really quite fun. I'm appreciative of that. Sheila is a mother of three, one of whom I see from her Facebook page is a rugby champion. <laughs> Very strong girl. That's that's for sure. Sheila is a conservative activist and the author of several best-selling books, such as The Case Against David Suzuki, an unauthorized biography. <laughs> I'll bet it's unauthorized. <laughs> I confronted Suzuki once and, oh, wow, that's hard. <laughs> so Sheila is pretty brave writing that. She also wrote Stop Notley, The Case for Throwing Out the NDP, which was clearly very successful given that Premier Notley was indeed thrown out. And the 2016 book, the Destroyers, Rachel Notley and the NDP's War on Alberta. And we'll be including links to all of those books under the podcast. So welcome to the show, Sheila. Tom, thanks for having me on the show. So it's uh, an odd thing to be on the other side of the interview table for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, I thought, hey, you know, we got to tell our American audience about your shows because, I mean, it is really refreshing. You know, when I'm doing weights in the basement, I frequently put on your programs because it energizes me. Whoa, good. They're getting the word out. <laughs> and, you know, you there were some wonderful shows on Rebel News, for example, about the farmers protest in yep. the Netherlands, you know, and things like that, which we're just simply not hearing in mainstream media. And that's why, you know, Rebel News, no wonder you're a target of Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. So, so taking a step back, can you tell our listening audience, you know, where you grew up and how you became a conservative or if you were always a conservative? You know, I think it lends to the geography where I live that I've always been a conservative. For your American listeners, I'm from Alberta, which I would describe as Canada's Texas. Farming, ranching, oil patch, guns, God, freedom. Uh, so with that being said, we're very different than the rest of the country out here in the West, in the Western provinces. We were settled at a different time for an entirely different reason um, with uh, a different demographic of people. And so we think very differently. In fact, we are probably more closely culturally linked to our American friends to the south of us in Montana and, and the Dakotas uh, and Wyoming than we would be to people in Ontario like Tom, Tom accepted, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so I always grew up being conservative. Now, it, also, I should say that my husband and son and my dad, 
all the men in my family work in oil and gas. And I'm also a generational farmer. I'm the fifth generation on the same chunk of land. My kids will be the sixth. And so I have a very different worldview <laughs> than yeah. a lot of the people in media. I am a severely normal person and uh, <laughs> I'm not a classically trained journalist. Uh, I think there's only one person at our company who is, that's David Menzies, and we definitely don't hold it against him. But <laughs> <laughs> because of that, like I said, I look at the world differently. And, uh, you know, one of my earliest memories, I'll be honest with you, is of my parents sitting around the kitchen table. My dad was in oil and gas and farming. And I remember being very young, but very acutely aware that they were worried about money. And it was because of Justin Trudeau's father, uh, Pierre Trudeau. um, And he had a program called the National Energy Program that required Alberta to, it, it was basically an attack on our oil and gas sector. And it had caused my father's job to dry up as companies were moving out of Canada to more inviting uh, jurisdictions like the United States and, you know, war-torn places of the Middle East. They were more financially stable for oil and gas companies to work in than in in Justin Trudeau's father's Canada. And Mm -hmm. so that really framed how I look at politics is from my very earliest days, both growing up in the cultural milieu, as they say, of Alberta, but also knowing uh, the impact of progressive policies on my family. Mm-hmm. Well, just for our American audience, you're talking about Pierre Trudeau, who was the first yes. Trudeau who was prime minister. And he was prime minister when I was just in my late teens, I guess. And, you know, it's interesting because I actually, when I was in the Air Force, had the highest priority project in the Air Force for a while because good old Pierre Trudeau promised the King of Norway that they'd fly fighters, Canadian fighters out of Norway, but they never asked the military if they could do it. <laughs> it's just like Jean Chrétien promising that we would meet Kyoto, but never actually knowing how to do it. So you know, thank so God funny. we didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. So thank what God. happened is the, the generals came to me. I was just a lowly captain in the Air Force. I was living in Cold Lake in Alberta. And by the way, I identified with Alberta so well when I lived mm-hmm. there. <laughs> I thought, whoa, this is this is my people. Anyway, um, so they came to me and they said, well, you know, the prime minister's promised the king that we're going to fly out of Norway. Can we do it? I said, uh, do they have any JP4 fuel? Well, they don't. <laughs> so I said, I don't know. We'll have to find out. What do they have? And, you know, it was a super expensive project, and it was another one of these Trudeau things where to look good on the world stage, he said it, and we eventually modified the engines, but it cost the taxpayer a fortune, you know. So thanks again, you know. Now Justin Trudeau is in power, and he's making big announcements, or at least his environment minister is, abroad without figuring out how to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we, we share something there. So how did you eventually get into media? Uh, you know, I was, I'm a reluctant journalist in early 2015. As I said, I've always been a conservative. I've always, you know, volunteered where I could on campaigns that I believed in, drove my truck in the local parade for the conservative MP out here, member of parliament. Um, and in 2015, we had in Canada's Texas, the most conservative place in this country, 
a socialist government elected by a fluke. And there there's a, a lot going on there uh, for it to have happened. But it was, you know, 44 plus years of a conservative government that had drifted quite left so that there was really not a lot to distinguish them from the far left party. There were some internal par- party politics that left people sort of disgusted with the corruption of it all. And we lost our collective minds. We the royal we, not me. <laughs> and people voted for the socialist NDP, um, New, Dem- New Democrat Party here. And they had some of the wildest, most radical candidates, just open radicals, anti-oil and gas, protesting pipelines, um, far left lunatic. You name the cause, they were for it, and they weren't trying to hide any of their radicalism. Many of them were what we call paper candidates. They just stuck their name on a ballot because they the NDP needed a candidate in that riding, and they shocked themselves by winning in oh, some yeah. cases. Oh, what are they going to do? <laughs> some of them were university students, never had a real job before, and all of a sudden they're going to govern the country. They're still living at home with their parents, some of them were. <laughs> and I thought, what a failing of the mainstream media to not vet these people because they weren't trying to hide it. And I was just a mom with a Twitter account. And I thought, I cannot let this happen again. So Justin Trudeau was campaigning for his first time as prime to become prime minister uh, through that summer. And I thought, you know, if the mainstream media isn't going to do this and dig down into some of Justin Trudeau's radical candidates, why not me? They're not any smarter than me. They definitely are not any more hardworking than me. I'm savvy with the Google machine. I can do this too. And so I did. Uh, it wasn't my job. My littlest one wasn't in full-time school yet. Uh, I just had some time when she was napping to just see who wanted to be in charge of our country. And So, so am- sorry, you, you were digging into Rachel Notley's candidates as well as Trudeau's? First, I dug into... Uh, Rachel Notley's candidates were elected as radicals and right. the mainstream media failed to vet them. So when Justin Trudeau was campaigning just a few months later, I thought, I cannot wait for the mainstream media to do the work they didn't do the first time around. I'll do it for them. And so I did. I started digging down into these candidates. I found some radicals. All I did was take screenshots of some of the more atrocious things they said on social media and dump it back onto my Twitter account. And the media picked up on it. Uh Justin Trudeau had to remove a candidate in Calgary um, and replace her for some of the anti-Semitic crazy things that she had said, ironically enough, to my current boss (laughs) right now. And uh, even in reporting on what I was doing, the mainstream media was still getting the story wrong. They identified me in their articles as they were writing about these liberal candidates who were coming under scrutiny by this large seat conservative researcher implying that I was a paid party operative. Um, They never once reached out to me to say, why are you doing this? (laughs) Why are you, why are you doing that? They never once reached out to me. They were even in me doing their job. They still got their job wrong. (laughs) And uh, so my boss, Ezra Levant, who had very recently started rebel news, reached out to me online and said, you are doing journalism that the mainstream media refuses to do, wouldn't you like to get paid for it? And I said, honestly, that's not the deal my family signed up for. I said I would stay home as long as my kids were not in school full time. And maybe even after that, I really, I was just, my job was, I'm a farm wife, still am. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) 
so that was sort of in August, July, August of 2015. September rolls around. I must have tweeted something about my children going back to school or something. And then Ezra reaches back out to me and says, look, I know your excuse just started school full time. So what's your excuse now? I I didn't have one. And that was eight and a half years ago. Wow. He didn't give up. That's good. (laughs) No, he's not one to do that. (laughs) No, he doesn't give up. eh? He's he's so straightforward. Mm -hmm. So, So you've been working with Rebel News since late 2015. Yeah. 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 Fall of 2015. I've been there since. Wow. So was it actually going at that time when you joined or did you start with it? Okay. It was already underway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Rebel News started in February of 2015. And I'm not a day one -er, but pretty close. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that amazes me is some people will say, oh, you're not in the Ottawa Citizen on on Rebel News. I say, yeah, and Rebel News has 10 times the number of subscribers as the Ottawa Citizen. (laughs) It's like you have over a million, 1.1 million or something on YouTube. And I looked up the... Oh, 1.6. Well, I checked Ottawa Citizen and they're typically 100,000, you know. So, I mean, the the fact is you folks are being heard by many, many, many more people. And more than that, I see that Rumble picks it up. uh, YouTube Mm -hmm. picks up excerpts, you know, like my last interview. I was Mm -hmm. happy to see that you had thousands of views in just a day or something. (laughs) So so Justin Trudeau must really hate Rebel News, I would imagine. (laughs) Well, and that's exactly why he has these latest censorship bills. We call them C-11 and C-18 here in Canada. I mean, I could go into the details, but really what they are targeted to do is limit what you can see and say online. We already have a broadcast bureaucracy for terrestrial media, old-fashioned TV, old-fashioned radio, and Many independent news outlets, including our own, went to the Internet, to YouTube, now to Rumble and to other streaming platforms to get around the control of the government broadcast bureaucracy that limited the things you could say and do online. We wanted to be free of all of that. And so we went to the Internet. Now, Justin Trudeau thinks we've had a little bit too much freedom and we're being a little bit too effective. And as you point out, our subscriber numbers indicate that we are. And so now he's trying to bring the Internet under the control of the state, at least here in Canada. And it's for that reason that as Canadians, we cannot share a news article onto Facebook or mm. onto Instagram. Mm-hmm. So so is this in a way a continuation of Sun Media, Sun Media TV? Because I know Ezra was a host on Sun Media TV. He was. You know, uh, Rebel News is sort of born out of, and again, going back to what I just said, Rebel News was born out of the death of Sun News. Sun News was Canada's only conservative news TV channel. Mm -hmm. And the broadcast bureaucracy in this country killed it. Uh, We... Our news channels in Canada can apply for something called mandatory carriage. What that means is it will be mandated onto every satellite or cable package, and then the channel is paid from the subscriptions to the cable or the satellite provider. So it's a big deal if you can get yourself onto mandatory carriage. Our state broadcaster, Mm -hmm. CBC, has mandatory carriage. Uh, The couple of other news channels have mandatory carriage. CNN has mandatory carriage. They're not Canadian at all, So, but they are shoehorned into every Canadian household if you have cable or satellite. The 
broadcast regulator, the CRTC, we call it, they denied mandatory carriage to Sun News Network, which is, again, I say the only conservative news channel uh, doing completely Canadian news. And they denied it a mandatory carriage and basically euthanized it because they couldn't make it go in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why when Sun News died, Ezra, who was a host on Sun News, gathered up some people who he thought would be good uh, to start a new company and basically started Rebel News in his living room mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and said, look, the the broadcast regulator killed this. We are going to do something different. So that's why we went directly to YouTube. And now YouTube has become a censorship platform. We still do okay there. We have to be careful of what we say there. Um, and frequently we will publish two versions of the same video. There will be a YouTube version and an uncensored rumble version uh, ah. so that we don't lose the ability to communicate with our 1.6 million YouTube subscribers. Yeah. So how many people do you have working in Rebel News? Like, I mean, I, I was seeing there's a fellow in Australia, the people yeah. in England. I mean, they're they're all over the place now. What would you have, like a 15 or so? Oh, no, it's pretty close to 40 on any given day. Um, oh, my. When you factor in our uh, freelance contributors and news writers, we, you know, for every one of us that you see in front of the camera, there's like three or four behind the ah, scenes managing yeah, the website. We have a, a huge social media presence. So we have an entire social media team that manages all of those things. So, uh, frankly, we are Canada's largest independent news network, but comparatively speaking, we're actually one of the largest too, when you mm-hmm. think about the shrinking newsrooms across the country. Yeah, it's sort of funny. The CBC gets over a billion dollars of our money. They employ thousands of people and they regard your 40 people as a as a threat. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah Good. exactly. So so I, I imagine the CRTC must have responded to the CBC's concern about Sun Media TV also. Like, I mean, it's not just the CRTC that killed it. Surely it must have been CBC and others, too. Oh, for sure. Why wouldn't they cheer for the demise of their chief competitors? Yeah, yeah. Especially since CBC was one of the main targets, you know, and, and the same thing with Rebel News. So so you, can you tell us about the different people you have besides your backroom people? On the screen, you have some pretty attractive people. I mean, tell us about some of them. Sure. We've got Drea Humphrey. Uh, she was just a mom who was a skeptic of masking. And we, she was out on the streets asking people questions. And she, w- she was really just a foundling. <laughs> we found mm-hmm. her and we thought we really like her style. It is, she was telegenic. She was articulate. And she was learning as she went. She was mm-hmm. really quite motivated to, you know, she had come from someone who had, at the beginning of the pandemic, like a firm believer in masking to doing some research and realizing, no, this is a little bit nuts. These are not yeah. stopping anything. Putting pantyhose over my face isn't stopping anything. <laughs> and she, she sort of was a free thinker. And we watched her sort of evolve and thought, boy, that's the kind of free thinker we want at Rebel News. I mentioned David Menzies. He is from Sun News. He's one of the people that Ezra brought with him to the new company. He was a day oneer. Um yeah, he's a, he's actually a lot of fun, actually. Oh, like he's I get a better he, person. He's, well, he's so brave, you know. He'll dress up like a woman, or he'll do all kinds of things just to 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 make people kind of agitated. And and you know, he'll go to meetings and he'll stand up and he'll ask them the hard questions. He gets 
kicked out by security, which is ideal because it shows the censorship involved. Like, I find him a lot of fun. <laughs> he, he has become Canada's leading women's rights activist. And I'm like, how did a guy who reminds me of Archie Bunker some days become Canada's leading women's rights activist? But he really has because he's so strong on the issues of um, men competing in women's sports. That's one of his oh, major yeah. beats right now. That's insane. That's insane. And- he will go there in costume, uh, dressed as a woman, or or in one instance dressed as a cat, and he checked himself into the um, Toronto Cat Show <laughs> to, to prove a point. Um, he he really, through his ridiculousness and his complete and total lack of shame, he really points out that the emperor has no clothes, and yeah. you have to be a certain kind of brave person to do that. We've got Tamara Ugolini. Tamara Ugolini is such a great story. A mom during mm-hmm. the pandemic, she came to us through one of our initiatives uh, called Fight the Fines. During the pandemic, um, we actually had to spin it all off into a civil liberties charity because it came, became so huge. One day, my boss announced that we're going to take a thousand tickets for people who got a ticket during the lockdown. We would connect them with the lawyer at no cost to them. We would crowdfund it all. Uh to affirm our belief in civil liberties and to make sure that, I mean, I think it's truly Canada's largest access to justice initiative, quite mm-hmm. uh, more effective than legal aid because we give you Canada's best lawyers. And she was a mom who was walking on the beach and she got a ticket from the local municipality because they had closed the beach. And she went and did her research before she walked on the beach because it was an act of civil disobedience. And she knew where the municipality's line ended and the province's jurisdiction began. And uh, we saw her. We took her case as a fight the fines case. I mean, they threw her in handcuffs for walking on the beach. Just a little tiny cute mom. Whoa. Oh, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was was crazy. Yeah. Again, David Menzies went swimming on the beach in his suit to prove a point that when he was on that story but we saw her and we thought we love her style we love her style and she's become i think canada's leading medical journalist Mm -hmm. uh during the pandemic we've got alexa lavois we met her at a protest she was giving police flowers and uh she became, I think, the leading convoy journalist. She was shot in the leg with a riot control device uh, by one of the cops and pepper sprayed when she was covering the freedom, completely peaceful freedom convoy in Ottawa. All of our journalists are just regular people with a real intellectual curiosity and a, a dinner table sensibility to the questions that they ask they don't ask the um hobby horse questions that the state broadcaster would ask i I, if you've ever been or watched a a leadership debate in this country 90 percent of the questions are about climate change and nobody cares about climate change unless it's about canada being a uh what do they call it racist uh, systemically racist that's right systemically racist (laughs) i've watched a cbc journalist ask the same question about climate change to every single candidate in the conservative party race last time in english and in french and nobody cares our journalists care about the stuff that people care about affordability immigration levels how climate policies are picking your pockets fairness in sport women's rights uh free speech 
Who was it that asked the question of Justin Trudeau? She said at the beginning, before she asked the question, she said, and if it wasn't for a Supreme Court judge judgment that you could not ban us from this event, I wouldn't be here. Who was Tamara it? Tamara Ugolini. Ha- Little Tamara oh. Ugolini asked that question. She, yeah, she's and so brave. So brave um, to speak truth to power like that. Like he is, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, Canada's most uh, powerful man. And she put him in a spot. And she said, you are going to answer my question because a Supreme Court decision came in saying that I am a journalist and I'm allowed to answer or to ask you a question. And do you know what Justin Trudeau did? He refused to answer the question, completely disregarded the will of the court and the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, he essentially proved her point. Didn't he? (laughs) He just fell in it. Yeah. But, you know, people have to realize that you're opposing the person who's funding most of the media in Canada. They don't fund you, do they? No, not at all. Uh, We never would. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, that's the thing. How can you hold a politician to account when your very job relies on that politician giving your employer money? That is the state of Canadian journalism, not just with our state broadcaster, CBC, which receives $1.5 billion annually to produce content, a statistical rounding error of grandparents who don't know how to use the remote control consume (laughs) every day. Um, But also Justin Trudeau has completely colonized the rest of the media with Mm -hmm. uh, taxpayer money too. So there's money for print journalists and money for broadcast journalists. One of the initiatives that Justin Trudeau funds is a a climate and environmentalism journalist. And so, you know, for Canadian listeners, they might wonder why their local newspaper has somebody constantly reporting on climate change and you know that you don't care, your neighbors don't care, your local newspaper with a circulation of 500 people, nobody could possibly care. It's because Justin Trudeau has funded a journalist to do that job. Jeez, that's incredible. Well, you know, the $8 a month I pay to Rebel News, too, and this is a little an advertisement, I won't deny it. (laughs) The $8 a month I pay to have subscription is the best money I've spent oh, on any any you. media anywhere. I mean, the only the only other media that's worth it like that is uh, Epoch Times, which are actually yeah, quite good as well. Brave. Very brave. Yeah, they are too. But the question then becomes, I mean, um, first of all, did you want to tell us about anybody else in your team? You know, I could list them all, but um, I'll tell you about my friend and documentary filmmaking partner, Kian Simone, because oh, right. he has such a great story. He had applied repeatedly to Rebel News, but we get a lot of applications and we just couldn't get through them all. It's pandemic We're, you know, it's all hands on deck fighting for civil liberties. And so hiring wasn't a big, it wasn't something top of mind. Kian Simone, I think he was working in a warehouse. And one day he went to the grocery store in Ontario and certain parts of the grocery store were roped off as non-essential during the pandemic. So I guess if you went for greeting cards, COVID would strangle your grandmother, but you were okay to go for lettuce. And he just said, this is insane. I have to get out of here. He packed his car, his little tiny Honda Civic, drove all the way across the country to to Alberta because he knew that the people were different here. Even if our government tried to lock us down and boy, did they ever you couldn't, we were, as they say, ungovernable. <laughs> and so he knew that he would be safe with us. And so he drove. You're, mis- you're mischief makers. We are. We mischief. Are. So he drove across the country. And on the way here, he got a phone call saying, hey, we have a job for an intern. 
would you like to join us? And he did. And we, his first job was sleeping in a church because we thought that the government would seize the church after they had arrested the pastor. We put him on an air mattress inside the church and he has become our chief documentary filmmaker. In three short years, he is making documentaries. For example, he made a documentary about his first story. It's called Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity, and it documents the plight of the pastors in Canada during the pandemic. He he has such a great story because all he knew was, this is crazy. I can't live like this. I must go to Alberta. And that act of resistance has spiraled into this incredible career where he tells comprehensive stories about people who stood up against the government. Yeah, for sure. Well, we have to go for a break now. My guest today is Sheila Gunn-Reed. She brings a Western sensibility. In fact, it's the Texas of Canada in a way, Alberta. And she's from there. And she's, in fact, has one foot in the oil patch and one in agriculture. So we'll be right back after the break. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code out loud. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. 
We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. I'm back with Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News. And she has, as I said earlier, one foot in the oil patch and one foot in agriculture. She challenges mainstream media narratives and stands up for sensible Canadians all across the country. Not just Albertans, because there are sensible people in Ontario, too. As I said earlier, I used to think I was more an American until I lived in Alberta. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, yeah, this is what I am. I'm more Albertan. (laughs) So, you know, when you're standing up against mainstream narratives, there must be some risk involved. I mean, do you ever have threats or, you know, nasty emails? What what happens when you say things that are outrageously politically incorrect, but right? <laughs> you know, my biggest threat right now comes from the state, obviously, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. threatening to silence me and my colleagues. I do from time to time get um, some threats sent via email. We deal with those directly. We report all of those. Unlike progressives, I don't report crimes to social media. I take them straight (laughs) to the police. Um, But I was also assaulted at the Women's March in uh, 2017, I want to say, after Donald Trump was first elected and Canadian women were marching uh, in legislatures for some reason. Uh, I don't know what they were doing out there. And <laughs> yeah. that, that was the reason why I went to report. I couldn't under what rights do you need that you don't have? And why are you marching? Because mm-hmm. somebody got elected in the United States. And I went there and I was assaulted by a male feminist at the Women's <laughs> oh, March. His name was Dion Buse. The last thing I said to him, and the video is out there. If you go to DionBuse.com, that video will live in infamy there. He, the last thing I said to him was, I'm just trying to have a conversation here. I basically was asking him, like, what, tell me what you're doing here. And he yeah. punched my camera into the side of my face on camera. His face is here. I'm recording here. He had no qualms about being captured, punching a camera into a woman's face in a crowd of roughly 800 women. And the women helped him get away. They didn't Aww. say to me, are you okay? They victim blamed me, to use the language of the left, comforted him as though it must have been very traumatizing for him to strike me in front of all these people. And then they helped him get away. Now, the funny thing is, he had done it on camera and uh, we showed the video online. We put out a thousand dollar bounty on his ID and within minutes he was turned in. Wow. So... He we char- we had him charged criminally um, and then we also sued him in civil court for what he had done to me. And uh, throughout all of that, there were the, you know, your standard truthers. She was asking for it. You know, basically, my politics were my skirt too short. And uh, <laughs> you know, from, you know, from feminists, from the organizers of the Women's March, by the way, none of them ever reached out to me. The feminist progressive government of the NDP, none of them ever reached out to me being assaulted at the legislature. None of it. Um, and yeah, because so Rachel, Not- Rachel Notley was premier then. She was, yeah. Yeah. Um, there were, her MLAs were in the crowd 
there. And not a single one of them ever reached out to me to see if I was okay. Not a single one of them denounced the violence on the steps of their workplace against a woman because I had the wrong sort of politics. And uh, that's something we frequently face here at Rebel News. David Menzies might be the most assaulted journalist in this entire country. If he's not getting clubbed with a cane by a transgender activist um, masquerading as, uh, you know, a a disabled woman, he is uh, being assaulted by Justin Trudeau's security team. Yeah, I've uh, seen those videos. Yeah, they, they've roughed him up pretty bad. Um, we've had uh, Drea Humphrey, uh, as we're recording this, two days ago, Drea Humphrey was threatened with somebody, uh, ironically, the same transgender activist who clubbed David Menzies with a cane, attacked her, uh, threatened to sick a dog after her. Um, in full view of sheriffs at a courthouse in British Columbia. It's because of this, one of our biggest fees at Rebel News, our largest expenses, you know, there's salaries, then there's legals. And one of our larger expenses at the company is security costs for our journalists oh, wow. so that they can go out and work in the field. We have a special fund. It's at journalistdefensefund.com. Okay. Um, and people can donate to offset our uh, security fees uh, just for us to be able to do our jobs. It, it, it's quite something to hear the mainstream media journalists complain about mean tweets. <laughs> but you and, get assaulted uh, physically. <laughs> we get physical assaults frequently, death threats in our email. Uh, but the thing is, we don't go to the media or to our social media and whine about it. We mm-hmm. do something about it. We try to do something tangible. We address the crisis in front of us. We hire security guards so that our journalists can do their work. And uh, then we pursue legal action against the people who assault us in every possible way, because we really do want to put a marker down. You don't yeah. get to assault our journalists. And if you somehow, by some you know fluke, you do get your hands on one of our journalists, you will not do it with impunity and you will live to regret it yeah ezra's very good at defending you folks isn't he i mean mm-hmm. he, he's a lawyer himself which helps because he knows the law and he'll stand up and say you're not getting away with that you know yeah. one thing i want to ask you about sheila is it strikes me that in many ways feminism in canada is failing you know one of our family members actually worked for status of women canada and i, and I asked her one day i said when you look at the government hierarchy of sort of priorities which takes precedence? Is it multiculturalism when it comes to cultures that don't respect women as equals, such as Saudi Arabia? Is it multiculturalism or feminism? Which trumps which? She said it is, in fact, multiculturalism. So my question is, and I still don't know the answer. You might have some ideas. Why are the feminists in this country not up in arms? I mean, it took them you know, generations to get full votes to, you know, full rights to vote and jobs and respect and everything else. And yet we're bringing in people who don't respect women as equals, you know, and um, one of my sisters, for example, wanted to rent the basement of a mosque for uh, her brownies. And they told they told her, well, yes, we can sign a contract with you, but you must send a man to sign the contract. And she said, well, there's no men in the girl guides. And they said, nope, you have to send a man. So she went anyways. 
they negotiated the contract. They were very annoyed with her and quite rude. And she finally stood up at the end of the meeting. And I have a feeling she did this perhaps to make a point. And she said, well, this would not be a good environment for my girls. And so she left. So my question is, why are feminists not standing up about, you know, this erosion of women's rights by bringing in people that don't respect women? You know, they are going to have to have a reckoning. I, I I, don't know if I can get inside the mind of a modern feminist. I really don't. I don't know how they can twist themselves in knots to say that it is feminist and right and just for mediocre men to compete in women's sports as women. Oh, so, that's um, nuts, yeah. You know, so I, 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 I don't understand what's in their mind, but there will be a reckoning. And I think uh-huh. it's happening faster than I even thought it would. I think we saw a little bit of this where the left had to take a pause for a second. It was when the parents' rights protests were happening across the country. Mm-hmm. And what you saw were Muslims and Christians holding hands in defense yeah. of knowing what is being taught in schools all across this this country with regard to gender theory. Yeah, and for sure. It, and the far radical left and the feminists who, in their pursuit of, uh, I think, female supremacy, adopt all comers who identify as female. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain it. They were on the other side of this. And they, for a moment, saw that there might be a problem here. Mm-hmm. But quickly that has eroded in mm-hmm. the last little bit. I think I think eventually and I th- and we are seeing it in some of the places in Europe where they have had unvetted migration from some of the more radical regions of the world. The feminists there are starting to have a come to Jesus moment. Oh, I think good. we're about five years behind. Oh, good. Well, that's really good to hear. You know, talking about women and um, men pretending to be women in sports, I guess you probably saw the South Park uh, episode <laughs> where they they had the wor- world's strongest woman and the guy came in and he said, oh, I just transitioned. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a, a few months ago, I saw that the Canadian women's uh, weightlifting record was broken. And I was I looked it up. I thought, oh, you know, maybe they broke it by a pound or two pounds. They broke it by over a hundred pounds. Yes. I said, what? I said, how does, how do they break a, the world? You know, the Canadian record by more than a hundred pounds. Well, it was a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this has got to be the point where you say, okay, enough's enough. I mean, this is completely insane. Do you think feminists in Canada are going to start standing up more against this kind of thing? You would think, but I don't, we're not quite there yet. Uh, April Hutchinson. Um, she is a Canadian weightlifter, mm-hmm. an incredible story, someone we should all look up to. She became a weightlifter and quickly rose to being a Team Canada weightlifter. And she was an addict. Uh, she's very open about this. She was an alcoholic. Uh, her addiction drove her to the brink of suicide. Weightlifting was her way out. And she has an incredible aptitude for it. Mm-hmm. She spoke out against a man named Anne Andres stealing opportunities from women, stealing accolades from women, and mocking the women weightlifters who who he had just beaten. Oh, yeah. April spoke out against that. She is facing a two-year prohibition on the sport. Really? And uh, so uh, our 
charitable arm, our arm's length charity, the Democracy Fund, um, is representing her in her legal appeal of her ban on mm-hmm. competition. Uh, the International Federation um, has spoken out in defense of her. It's the Canadian Powerlifting Union that is punishing her. Uh, April was uh, featured in a, like a museum a, a museum exhibit in London, Ontario, her hometown, about women who had overcome adversity uh, to rise to the pinnacle of whatever they choose to do. And again, that's April for sure. She's an inspiration. Mm-hmm. She's she's a woman of hope. Mm-hmm. They erased her from the exhibit, calling her transphobic. And uh, so I, well, I'm it's not, not sure trans. If... It's not transphobic to stand up for women. I mean, it's, it's just pro women. <laughs> it's it's biological reality. You can yeah. simultaneously say, as I do, that people can choose to live ho- their life however they feel like. I, it's none of my business, and frankly, I don't care. But mm-hmm. there is a biological reality that men and women are different, um, and, and th- that's all April ever said. And she was canceled because of that. And so I'm not sure that the feminists are not there for April. They're not on her side. We're Mm -hmm. not there yet. But I think the time is coming rather quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, many of our Americans are going to probably wonder, is there any plans to bring rebel news into the U.S.? Because they could certainly do with what you folks do here. You know, the the Americans are very lucky. So from time to time, we have freelancers who work with us in the United States. And we do go into the United States to cover some stories. But our American friends are so lucky. They have so many wonderful conservative media outlets there. Mm-hmm. And they're they're doing well. They're thriving. You know, I'm going to leave some out. But there's The Blaze, Daily Caller, Breitbart, America Out Loud, um, Newsmax, OANN. So many. I could just yeah. list and P- list and PJ, list. PJ yeah. Media, uh, exactly. America Out Loud. They're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And in Canada, we have True North, Counter Signal <laughs> and yeah. us. And Rebel News. Yeah. 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 So so, so you're not likely to actually bring in, an, but you're in other countries like England and Australia, for example. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, we, you know, we do some work in the UK. Um, we have... Uh, a huge footprint in Australia, thanks to our friend Avi Yamini, who works down oh, there. We have an yeah. entire bureau down there. Yeah, he, he's um, amazing. I like him. <laughs> and it's just him. It's him against the entire continent of progressivism down there. And um, that's why he was absolutely our Viewer's Choice Award uh, mm-hmm. in 2023, because th- there's really nobody else. And that you know that's why we do well here in Canada. There's really nobody quite like us. I mean, there are other conservative outlets, independent conservative outlets, but we do something a little bit different in that not only do we report the news, we try to make things right. Well, that's um, right. You actually take action and you do yeah. things like this, the countersuits and things like that, taking action. Yeah. Now, I guess one of the main points that I would wonder is like, what's coming next? Like, do you have plans that you can share with us as to what you're going to focus on next, what your personal interests are in Rebel? Uh, so, I mean, the war on oil and gas never stops, never, mm-hmm. <laughs> never takes a break. And I think the war on oil and gas is, uh, I think, part of a larger issue with the progressive left. And that is that they are entirely anti-human. Yeah. And so one of our projects coming up. I don't want to give too much of it away because we haven't publicly announced it, but we're working on a documentary about one of the most anti-human things happening here in Canada. 
Um, also, uh, you know, we have to be acutely aware to the expansion of medical assistance in dying in this mm. country. I do so many outside appearances with American networks, not with Canadian ones, because they don't seem to care because it's a Justin Trudeau policy about the adoption of medical assistance in dying for our mentally ill and yeah. uh, our veterans who cannot get adequate care. Um, from veterans affairs bureaucrats really they're using medical assistance in dying to uh, offset the failings of the government to properly administer health care and support services to Canada's vulnerable I think that's a huge issue and again the war on women and girls uh, th- through uh, radical transgenderism I think those are the, the real stories Mm-hmm. Um, for 2024. And of course, of course, we climate change, climate change. Again, that's the war <laughs> on oil and gas for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, overarching all of that, Justin Trudeau trying to shut up the truth tellers talking about all those other issues. Mm-hmm. Do you think Rebel News is at risk of actually being closed because of Trudeau's actions? Yeah, he can try. Now, we're very lucky because unlike some of our uh, colleagues in this space, as they say, we rely directly on uh, our viewers at home to support us. Mm -hmm. So we have been uh, wise in not relying on one method of distribution. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are not only on YouTube. We are not only on Facebook and Instagram. We are also very active on Twitter. We're also active on Rumble. So we have all these like fail safes built into how people can find us. We have a large email list where we can communicate with our supporters directly without Mm -hmm. the hands of the state getting in between. Um, So people can sign up for our email list. And uh, we're working on things. Like we're working on on ways to make sure that Justin Trudeau can't shut us up. But one of the best things that we have going for us is our millions of supporters who donate or subscribe to keep us going. Um, it, it's what keeps us independent, but also keeps us away from the tentacles of Justin Trudeau. Yeah, for sure. And it's only eight bucks a month, right? For a normal subscription. That's four Tim Hortons a month, one a week. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when my mom passed away, my dad bought a brick in your wall. That's (laughs) wonderful. Tom, tell me when we're done, tell me his name. Cause I'll make sure somebody gets a photo of it and sends it to you. Yeah. Okay, sure, sure. That'll be great. So now when you're actually looking at the Conservative Party of Canada, I mean, some conservatives say we should never criticize them because they're our guys. But what do you think about that? I mean, if you don't hold their feet to the fire, are they just going to drift more and more left? That's exactly it. Conservative politicians have every force in the world pulling them to the left. They've got the media and they've got uh, social media. Um, and just society writ large, sort mm-hmm. of drifting them to the left. Somebody has to be on the right, pulling them back in the right direction. Uh, look, I was one of the largest critics of our former conservative premier here in Alberta, Jason Kenney. Mm-hmm. I was a Jason Kenney fan when he first came along um, because he was, you know, a, a blue Tory, blue being the color of conservatives here in Canada. Or we uh, thought he was anyway. We thought he was. He, <laughs> he sold himself as someone who cared about religious freedom and small government and civil liberties. And then he wasn't when he was tested during COVID. And I was one of his largest critics. 
And mm. because of that and, and giving voice to other critics, uh, now we have a premier here in Alberta who is very conservative and very civil liberties focused and mm-hmm. really pushing back on the climate change agenda of Justin Trudeau. I think if you criticize, you can make it better. And especially if you're criticizing a conservative as a conservative look. If the mainstream media were criticizing our current premier, Danielle Smith, she could write it off as saying, well, that's just the Trudeau colonized media. They're all left wing. They will criticize a conservative. It's an insincere form of criticism. Mm-hmm. When they hear it from me, they know I mean it. <laughs> and they know yeah. that I come by that criticism honestly. And it's not because I want anybody to lose an election. It's because I want them to win. Yeah, that's right. And I've been told by conservatives within the party who I can't cite (laughs) Mm -hmm. that they like it when we criticize them from the right because Mm -hmm. it makes them look more moderate. And in fact, it's interesting. I've had some of them say, yeah, if I weren't working for the conservative party, I would make the same criticism. So keep it up. (laughs) I I should just tell people rebelnews.com. That's where they should go, right? Rebelnews.com. Um, And if you want to become a subscriber to Rebel News, you go to rebelnewsplus.com. And as Tom points out, it's eight bucks a month. You get access to our paywall shows, including mine that I frequently do with Tom um, and uh, a nightly fully produced show for my boss and all of our uh, documentaries and feature length videos, premium content behind there, just exclusive to subscribers. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's super, super worthwhile. I use it as a motivator when I'm doing push-ups. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had one last question I have to ask before I let you go. I mean, I met you for the first time in Madrid when we were attending the UN Climate Conference, and we had a great discussion there. Now, I always like to ask guests who are climate realists, who understand that, mm. you know, we're not causing a climate crisis. It's not the boiling of the oceans, as Al Gore says. How did you come to understand the reality of climate change. Well, I mean, just look at the ridiculousness of the arguments on the other side. If I eat fewer steaks, the weather will remain cold. Is that <laughs> yeah. really a thing? I guess. Yeah. I mean, just throw another virgin in the volcano while you're at it, while we're yeah. doing these superstitious things. Or my SUV is the problem, but Al Gore's private jet isn't the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I look at fossil fuels as life-saving, life-giving, life-affirming. They're clean. You look at places of the world that have an abundance of fossil fuels and clean, reliable energy. And what do you have? Clean streets and happy, healthy people. When people Mm -hmm. are suffering from energy poverty or expensive energy or uh, low access to energy, maternal uh, death rates are high infant death rates are high, life expectancies are low, and women's rights are uh, in jeopardy, if you care Mm -hmm. about those sorts of things. Uh, I mean, but at the most basic level, look, I'm a farmer. I'm a lifelong Albertan. We are treated as climate criminals, and I have a real hard time taking uh, accusations of me being a climate criminal seriously from Mm -hmm. somebody who hasn't gotten off the pavement in their Birkenstocks in the last year. I rely on the health of the environment for my income. It's my livelihood. I love this land more than any other politician. It has supported five generations of my people. And your daughter will be the sixth, right? She'll be the sixth. And so, you know, I, I completely reject the accusation that if I believe that people should have access to clean, reliable energy, that I don't care about 
the environment. I think I love this land more than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and uh, so for me, it's just, a, it's it's practicality. It's It's common sense that the mm-hmm. climate scare is just nonsense. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm working on an article now, and some of the quotes I've been finding, Al Gore and others saying that the o- oceans are boiling. I mean, it's just so insane. It's just so crazy. And, and you know, um, I just want to emphasize again, people should go to the gun show with Sheila mm-hmm. Gunn-Reed and go to rebelnews.com, click Thank on you. shows and zip down to hers. <laughs> it's uh, it's wonderful, actually. You do more than one a week, though. Sometimes I see ones between your weekly shows. Yeah. So we also host a live stream and I'm generally the host for that one, too. And if Ezra is off gallivanting around the world, as he will be this week, I normally jump in to co-host for him, too. So there's I mean, I do a video every day, (laughs) a news video every day. Um, I write articles every single day. I do a full length show every single week and jump in and help wherever I can. Yeah. And you're not funded by the government. Not a penny. (laughs) Yeah, which is great. Well, you know, it's the first time I think I've boosted media on my program. And but but yeah, people, you got to check it out. Rebelnews.com. It's fun, too, because I find you and Ezra, when you're having your little discussions back and forth, (laughs) and especially if David's involved, you Mm. really have fun. You know, like it's not just this serious doom and gloom stuff. You actually mock and make fun of the insanity. You know, So I think it's well worth people checking out rebelnews.com so sheila thanks so much for being my guest today tom it was so much fun fastest hour in journalism (laughs) yeah exactly so this is tom harris with my guest sheila gunn reed from rebelnews.com signing out from the other side of the story 